Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. We're continuing our Sunbelt in review series today with episode six, where we'll talk about Southern Miss's first season in the Sunbelt. We hope that you've been able to catch the last couple of episodes in our Sunbelt in review series, where we talked about James Madison's epic first season in the Sunbelt with Daily News record reporter Shane Metlin, as well as our dissection of South Alabama's record-breaking season with the keen insights of Alabama.com reporter Craig Stevenson. If you miss those episodes, you can find them by clicking the link in our Twitter bio or by visiting Apple or Spotify in the coming days. You're certainly going to want to check those out as you get set for next year. Over the next several weeks, we're going to continue to dive into each Sunbelt School's 2022 season with the help of the experts who cover them on the ground in those locales on a daily basis. Today, we'll be talking about the 7-6 Southern Miss Golden Eagles, who earned their first bowl bid and victory under second-year head coach Will Hall. Throughout the season, this team was known for its ferocious defense and potent rushing attack, headlined by all-conference standout Frank Gore Jr. Now, I was talking to you know off of the podcast about just how fun this series has been and how our listeners get to learn a lot about these programs. And me and Noah get to learn a lot, too, just getting that inside look, talking to these people who are around the team day in and day out. They pull back the curtain. We hear great stories about some of these players and just super excited for the people to hear another great guest. Yeah, these inside episodes or episode with the insiders have been a lot of fun. I feel like we've learned a lot already. On this episode, we're excited to welcome Sun Herald reporter Scott Watkins, who covers the team on the ground in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to the Frary and Smith podcast to break down Southern Miss's first season in the Sun Belt. Caden, tell our listeners a little bit more about what they will hear on today's episode. It was great talking to Scott. We obviously talked about Frank Gore Jr. and the amazing season he had, this nasty bunch defense that also had a great year, and just the past, present, and future of this quarterback position and how important it could be to the success of this Southern Miss team moving forward into next season. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with the one and only Scott Watkins. Well, we're really excited to have Scott Watkins on the Frary and Smith podcast. He covers Southern Miss for the Sun-Herald. Scott, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to join us today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me on. Well, we've got a lot to talk about because this Southern Miss team definitely provided us storylines throughout this season. But Scott, we'll start with kind of a look back at last year's team. Um, In 2021, it was the first year under Will Hall. This Southern Miss team, they go three and nine, but two of those wins came in the final two weeks of the regular season. This year, though, they improved to seven and six and got back to a bowl game. Uh, What was the biggest area of growth that you saw for this team moving into this second year? Uh, They got a lot deeper. They got a lot deeper. They weren't playing uh, with 55, 60 scholarship players like they ended up with at the end of last or into 2021. And uh, they just they got a lot deeper. They they played much better on defense, uh, and that was a little bit of a side effect from. It's 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 so hard to say that they got better at quarterback because they they were still so bad at quarterback. Uh, but it was a better situation because they ended the season with a quarterback behind the center, which is not true in twenty twenty one. They played the last two games without the quarterback position at all. And so that those two things kind of combined and then and they um they they improved. Uh they won close games and that's that's you know something Will Hall mentioned, the cliche, you know, you you lose bad, then you lose close, then you win close. They jumped right to win close this year, uh, which was a really good sign for them. 
Yeah, and speaking of those wins, one of the biggest wins of the season was in week four when Southern Miss traveled to New Orleans to face a two-lane team that would go on to have a great year and beat USC in that Cotton Bowl. They won despite only having 200, year, 200 yards less on, on offense. How big of a win was that for the program early on in the season? Uh, that was a huge win because that was a three-phase victory that Southern Miss needed badly. Uh, they they looked a little rough early on. They looked like they were playing a very good two-lane football team early on. And then it was like one phase at a time. I think it started with special teams, uh, pinned them down inside the five-yard line. Then defense followed up with a couple big plays, and then offense finally scored. Um, pick six somewhere in there. That was such a huge win because it was on the road. Uh, it was the whole team, and every single phase just came together, and it gave them a lot of confidence going forward. Of course, they ran into the buzzsaw, you know, the very next game, but they knew that they could win these type of games. And that was such a, such a massive win for that program. It was program. It was, uh, I don't want to say program defining, but it was the moment that I, I know that Southern Miss knew they could win these type of football games and get back to the, the level that they want to be at. Yeah, it's ultimately it's huge for a team to to learn that about themselves. And I agree with you. This was a, a huge game in the season and a big turning point. Uh, Scott, this team got to five wins after week nine in that win versus Louisiana at home, but then they wouldn't gain bowl eligibility until that final weekend of the regular season. Was there any panic that started to set in during that three-game losing streak prior to that ULM win to end the year? I I can't say that there was um, because after that Georgia State loss, um, it was kind of just all eyes kind of turned towards the ULM game. As a, as a reporter and, and a lot of fans did, uh, there, there wasn't a ton of hope over the next two weeks. Uh, although the Grayson McCall news that happened just before the Coastal Carolina game, that did change, change some of the dynamic from that week. But I don't think there was ever a lot of panic. It was just, well, we better beat ULM. And that was kind of the sense that I got from the fan base right there. And after getting that sixth win, this team found out they're going to be playing Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl. Frank Gore goes on to have just a historic, legendary performance in that game. What will you remember most about that game and specifically the performance that he had? Uh, well, there you go. That's so that's what I remember the most about that game. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. and Auntie Chill. Those are the two moments that uh, I will I will never, ever forget. It was a phenomenal game to watch. Uh, he, Yeah, he went legend that day. And I think eventually they'll build a statue just, just because of that one game. Well, we would definitely love to see that statue built. Uh, let's talk, you know, as we transition to the offseason a little bit, Caden and I have gotten a taste of this rabid Southern Miss fan base. Uh, this was Will Hall's second year at the helm of this program. How have the Southern Miss fans kind of accepted him during his tenure there? Well, they have accepted him, full, fully embraced him, because he, if you listen to him talk, if you, you watch his press conference, he's, he's the most Southern Miss guy you can, you can imagine. Uh, I can't even picture him this is the a topic of conversation every single week in the press box week you, you can't imagine him anywhere else but southern miss because the guy just exudes southern mississippi all the time and of course the fans latch on to that really well um and and the fact that they saw growth jump from three wins to a bowl win that just that just makes it better I mean, everybody loves will hall will hall loves everybody at southern miss um he's He's nowhere near the hot seat, that's for sure. He's he's 100% job safe for, for some time. For the second straight year, this team had the revolving door situation, the quarterback. We saw Zach Wilkie play some meaningful snaps, Ty Keish, Trey Lowe, and obviously you can't forget about Frank Gore, who you could argue is maybe one of the most productive quarterback that's been under center this entire season for the team. There were obviously some, some injuries that happened this year. What was your biggest takeaway from the quarterback position from this season? 
hard to wrap my head around. Uh, you know, very first game, what we're looking for is Southern Miss is finally going to put that, you know, 2021 season to rest, you know, put it to bed. And then Ty Keys gets hurt in the first half of the very first game. And they go super back the entire rest of the second half. And this, this, it's like a nightmare situation all over again. It's, it, it, it couldn't have been a worse start to the year. You know, everything that you wanted to put behind you and never remember again was happening again. Uh, but eventually they, they stumbled upon, I wouldn't say stumbled upon, they, they circled back to Trey Lowe, who had fallen to third, fourth on the depth chart. He was uh, almost an after, afterthought because they wanted to get Wilkie. They really wanted to get Ty Keys out there. And uh, Jake Lang, at some point, the walk-on, uh, he got out before Trey Lowe went out there. So, But eventually Trey Lowe went out, and that's kind of when things changed. He had a phenomenal game against Coastal Carolina, and uh, that kind of stabilized things. But they had an issue for some time there in the middle of the season because uh, Zach Wilkie, true freshman, made his first appearance against Miami. And, that's, and he did well. He, he actually played well. But he like slowly and slowly got less and less effective, and it was just this whole thing. We we went on a ride again. Uh, we'll see what happens next year. Obviously, Ty Keys is gone, uh, but there's not going to be a quarterback depth issue anymore. They've got six of them now instead of three. So, it, at the very least, the quarterback play may not be good next year, but there will be quarterbacks on the field at all times, kind of like there were this year. Well, I loved how you described that as kind of going on a ride because I felt like at times on the podcast this year, we were going on a ride about who would be the starting quarterback the next week uh, for Southern Miss. But one guy who has been a consistent force for this team is Frank Gore Jr. He ended last year playing some of his best football down the stretch. He did the same this year, including that 300 plus yard performance in the bowl game. In your opinion, what has allowed him to get better as the seasons go on? Well, this year, uh, I felt like the offensive line took a step forward. You know, it wasn't uh, the best offensive line in the world, but in 2021, it was dead last in, in any measurable statistic. It was the worst offensive line that they you could find in the country. And Will Hall said last spring that he felt like they had two or three D1 offensive line in the 2021 season. Then he felt like he had eight or nine for this last season. And I think that was the big difference is that there's just a, a little more uh, wiggle room for Frank Gore Jr., they also added several running backs, and Janari Dean did well enough as a spellback, especially in the middle of the year, uh, which I think did a lot to allow Frank Gore Jr. to stay fresh as the season wore on because you kind of see that a lot of times with good running backs. They, they falter a little bit uh, in November. Frank Gore Jr. turned it on late November and continued that, obviously, into December. So I think just a, a combination of having more bodies up front and more bodies to give the ball to uh, really, really helped FG3 out a little bit. I think that's extremely accurate when you look at the bowl game, especially in just some of those running lanes that were created by the offensive line and just seeing he, he can make something out of nothing. I think he's proven that. But then when you give him some of those running lanes, some those cutback lanes, he definitely capitalized. But moving to the other side of the ball, the nasty bunch, they call it, that Southern Miss defense. The group was truly special this year. They won this team a ton of football games, and they had so many great pieces. When you look at players like Malik Short, Santrell Latham, Dalen Guild, it's just to name a couple of those guys. What do you think made that unit so special this year? I think everything just came together like in, in, in the right moment. Uh, it was a combination of the offense wasn't getting off the field after three plays and the defense getting a lot deeper and playing just fresh through it was almost a similar situation to, you know, how the offense got better. Uh, they, 
they played a lot more uh, loosely. I feel like they were able to go in the secondary, especially a little bit deeper. The linebacker room got hit with some injuries, so they weren't able to do that as much as they'd like to. But they were still deep, it, and that was that was the impressive thing is they lost two linebackers early on, and they had three, four starters still ready to go. And so that that was something that kind of changed the dynamic. Uh, is they just they just kept throwing them out there, and they had the defensive line same situation. Right? They had three starters and three starters behind the three starters. And so all of a sudden, via the transfer portal, they kind of turned around what they – not really turned around. They were doing what they wanted to do defensively, but they were able to do it every single play of the game, which I feel like was just not possible in 2021. The underlying stats were there in 21, but they didn't show up on the box score. It didn't show up on how many points they allowed because they just – they weren't able to go as deep as they wanted to. They were this year, and it, it showed, and they, they were one of the more – Aggressive, uh, one of the best teams in the Sun Belt at taking the ball away. Uh, that's so it, that transfer portal, man, they hit it and they hit it well. Yeah, I, I have to echo what you said. I mean, they were very deep at times this year, and that that defense won Southern Miss some football games. Uh, wanted to ask about one more player on offense before we kind of talk about next year. Uh, you know, you look at all the question marks that were at the quarterback position over the past several seasons, but Jason Brownlee has been able to put together back-to-back impressive seasons. This year he finishes with nearly 900 yards and eight touchdowns. What does it say about him that he has been able to find as much success as he has had despite the cohesion from that quarterback position? Jason Brownlee is everything good about what Southern Miss wants to be. I think uh, Jason Brownlee is a guy that a couple years ago could have left uh, he had an opportunity. This is what I've kind of read between the lines and understood is that he could have played somewhere else and uh, been a starter at a at a much bigger name somewhere. Uh, he's a very talented guy, but he stayed at Southern Miss, uh, stuck through it all, and he was I, I I would call Frank Gore Jr. the cultural figurehead of this team. Jason Brownlee, in a very very quiet way, he doesn't like to talk. He's right there with him, I think, and. Um, this was this was going to come, and I'll tell you this: it didn't look like when you watch Southern Miss play throughout the year. You watch all twelve games; it didn't look like he had nine hundred receiving yards because throwing the ball looked a little rough sometimes. But he did, and it's because you could throw anything his way, and he's just got that catch radius. He's that guy. It doesn't really matter who who the quarterback is. I watched uh, Zach Wilkie at the five yard line get slammed into the end zone. Ball just kind of washed out. Who's on the other end of it? It's Jason Brownlee on a 25-yard game. You just throw it up there, Brownlee's going to get it. He just needed a quarterback for 12 games, I think, and a little bit more protection for those quarterbacks, and that's what happened. So I I think everybody would have loved to see what Jason Brownlee could do with a, let's say, three, four years into the Will Hall era with the offensive line ready to go, a good quarterback with experience. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to see that, but what Brownlee was able to do in his time here was nothing short of incredible, to be honest. That'll definitely a big, be a big what if for this team and this program moving forward. But transitioning into next year, talking about this upcoming season, after the season, you see some several notable transfer portal moves, specifically in that quarterback room, like we've been talking about. Trey Lowe announced his commitment to Liberty. Ty Keyes has received some notable offers. What do you make of those guys' decisions to leave the program, move on from the transfer portal, and what do you expect to see this offseason in that quarterback competition now? Yeah, I think that it was just kind of expected to see somebody into the transfer portal, especially after uh, just how hard they went after quarterbacks this offseason. Usually you see teams get 
one or two guys just kind of fill it out. Uh, they go and get four, and that kind of balloons the quarterback room a little bit. So there was this feeling that somebody named Zach Wilkie, Ty Keys, Trey Lowe was going to leave, and it ended up being Lowe and Keys. Uh, but I don't think – I think everybody is, is happy for Lowe, you know, going to Liberty. Everybody's happy for Keys. Wish – Wish Ty Keys would have worked out. He's insanely, insanely athletic. But also, there's there's an excitement about this quarterback room uh, because there are transfers in Billy Wiles and Holman Edwards. Both of those guys are very highly thought of. I know Wiles is a very smart quarterback. Holman Edwards was in line to take over as starting quarterback at Houston. And then two really, really impressive uh, true freshmen coming in. Uh, with Austin Gonzalez is a uh, high, high IQ quarterback from Texas. And Ethan Crawford from Tuscaloosa towards ACL late senior year, but extremely athletic. He's he's very similar to Tykes. So they have they have options. They have uh, different styles. They they have a lot going on in the quarterback room now, and they still have Zach Wilkie, who has actual game day experience. So this is this is a brand new quarterback room. It it looks so much different from the last two years, and it looks like a real quarterback room. This is the first time since I've been here where Southern has had a healthy quarterback room. And I think that's what everybody wants to see here this spring and in the fall is how that is going to change the fortunes, impact this team in any way. That has to be a scary sound for teams in that West Division because it, it did feel like Southern Miss was a quarterback away from maybe contending for that West Division title. Uh, this defense is going to see a lot of new faces next year with some key departures. You look at Central Latham, Dalen Gill, Dominic Quiwan, all declaring for the NFL draft. What strides has this staff made to kind of restock that cupboard? And who do you expect to kind of be that leader of that defense next year? Well, they have once again hit the portal pretty hard, you know, pulling in some DBs, some linebackers, some JUCO transfers. Uh, this is this was kind of always coming, you know, you know, you wanted to time it up and, and going back to what you said, this team was a quarterback away at times a year ago. Man, I heard that so many times last year because this defense was good. This defense is really good. And you felt like you put just a decent quarterback, you know, in, in, in behind center, someone who has played uh, Division One football for a year or two, and things would just change. Uh, and that that's kind of what's going on here is I, I feel like everybody's holding their breath to see who's going to step up on defense and see if they can keep this train rolling while the offense continues to figure things out. Um, I know on the field, Malik Shorts, he's that guy. I mean, he's he's – is he's going to be the uh, the star of that defense without a doubt um, from that third level? Uh, led the team in tackles as a safety, which is not something that you see too often, especially out of a good defense. Typically, when your safety is leading the leading the team, it's not great. But in this case, it is pretty good, and he's he is a ball hawking guy as well. Um, and they've got Jay Stanley. They should still have Jay Stanley as well, unless I'm I'm, I'm wrong there. Uh, and that's that's going to be one of the better one two combos at that position in the conference. So I think. They're going to work it back down to the defensive line. The defensive line will still be solid as well. Um, that linebacker group, they're getting the two guys that were injured. They're getting them back. So that's a big boon right there. If the Juco transfers work out and all that stuff, I, I think they should be able to keep rolling. It'll just be new names, but same vibes. Yeah, Scott, as a former safety, I can speak to the fact that I'm glad I've never led a team in tackles. It's usually not a good thing, but for Malik Shorts, it was definitely a great thing for that team, just him flying to the ball. And it wasn't necessarily people getting on the back end. It was him being so aggressive and being such an impact both in the pass and the run game. But you talked about the figurehead, the face of the franchise. Frank Ward Jr. announces that he's coming back for another season. He's nearly run for 3,000 yards along with 
16 career touchdowns in his time at Southern Miss. What do you expect from him next year? And do you think he should be considered among some of the favorites for that Sunball Offensive Player of the Year award? Well, I, I think he definitely should, especially if he can continue the momentum. I think that's the really important thing is, is can he keep it going? Can this offense keep it going for him? Can the offensive line continue to take steps forward? Um, and there, another thing that I'm looking for is Will Hall is a, a quarterback coach and he wants the offense to be quarterback driven. He wants to throw the ball. And I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen Southern Miss throwing the ball as much as they want to throw the ball. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the dynamic of the offense changes when a quarterback is in there every day, every game, week after week. What are they going to do differently? Are they going to push the ball downfield more? Uh, will Frank Gore Jr. become more involved in the pass game? I mean, how how will this offense change uh, going forward with the quarterback position changing the way it is for Southern Miss? And I think that's what's going to impact however Frank Gore Jr. plays going forward. Yeah, definitely going to be important, you know, looking ahead to next year. Scott, before we let you go, let's look ahead to next season. Man, this is a gauntlet to begin the year. You go to Florida State. You welcome Tulane to Hattiesburg, and that's all in the first three weeks of the season. Uh, then you have, you know, Sunbelt West Division play. There are going to be multiple winnable opportunities at home this year. Look into your crystal ball. What do you expect uh, next year? How do you expect next year to play out for Southern Miss? You know, I think it's going to be a wild ride. I think it's going to be a bit emotional uh, with Tulane and going to Mississippi State. I think both of those games the fans care a lot about. Um, and then you have games that they already – Within the Sun Belt, they already care so much about, and that's a beating South Alabama. I tell you, everybody in this fan base wants to beat South Alabama. I went to Troy. I would love to see South Alabama lose. It, it, it you know, it's, it doesn't matter to me. But I, th I think next year is just going to be such a, such a huge year. Um, I don't think they've officially announced who that FCS is going to be at the at the beginning of the season. But that game is going to be so important because those next two weeks are going to be tone-setting games. We've seen what happens when Sunbelt teams have winnable big games early on in the schedule and don't win them, Georgia State, and it kind of affects the rest of their season. Southern Miss doesn't want to get put in that situation, so I think that FCS game at the beginning of the year is going to be so, so important because they would, I think everybody would love to see stealing a win against Tulane at home or Florida State on the road or, some, or something like that. Mississippi State is the week before Ole Miss. I think everybody would love to see Southern Miss kind of be that uh, trap game uh, team there late in the season. So it, it's going to be a ride. I'm preparing myself for it. 2022 was a ride, and it didn't have Mississippi State on the schedule. So I'm going to push you a little bit here. Uh, give me a, a prediction for wins and losses next year. Oh boy, that's going to be tough because uh, I don't I don't know what the week-by-week week Sunbelt schedule is going to look like. I just know who they play. Uh, man, that's going to be tough. I, I honestly don't want to go above seven regular season wins. Uh, maybe eight's the ceiling there. I haven't looked into it too hard. Most importantly, I haven't looked at everybody else that hard. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play safe. I'm going to go seven, eight wins right now. Yeah, I would dare say that's, that's not a bad prediction right there. I mean, after you get the wins this year, that's probably a, a next logical step. But Scott, really appreciate... Uh, you taking some time to jump on the podcast. I know Kate and I have both benefited from your uh, coverage of Southern Miss and have really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Thank you guys for having me, both y'all.
A lot of great insight there from Scott Watkins, who covers the team on a daily basis. Caden, I know you and I have benefited from his coverage uh, throughout the season, but it was really interesting just to hear his thoughts on that quarterback position. It was something that we spent a lot of time this year talking about, and he provided some great insight on that battle specifically that took place throughout the year. He definitely did. He talked about how he's been hearing that same narrative over and over again about how this team's a quarterback away. And I think when you look at what they have on the defensive side of the ball and what they have in the weapon and Frank Gordon Jr., who's one of the best weapons in the backfield and skill positions in general in this entire conference, I think it's safe to say this season it's more relevant than ever. So definitely going to be curious and going to have to keep in contact with Scott maybe about how the offseason quarterbacks battle is going and how it leads into this 2023 season. I feel like a broken record, but it has felt like as we've talked to several of these Sunbelt schools, quarterback is going to be a big thing to keep an eye on uh, throughout the regular throughout this offseason, rather. Uh, but Caden, Southern Miss is interesting because they're one of the teams that I feel like has one of the higher floors in the Sunbelt because of a guy like Frank Gore Jr. on offense. You look at how good that defense was. But Frank Gore Jr., he elevates your offense to at least a passable level. And as we, you know, talked about a moment ago, if you get anything better than good quarterback play this is a southern miss team that could be a sneaky pick in the west next year definitely when you look at the quarterback position across all levels of football there's no secret that it's the most important position but when you have a running back like frank gore jr who provides that for you and the defense has been putting on for you it just only makes that position more important and more premier for your team and i think one of the more exciting things about that is Scott mentioned it a little bit. If we can get a better quarterback in this situation and in this system, maybe Frank Ward Jr. becomes a little bit more of a receiving back, shows off some of that versatility, and he's not asked to do as much as he is for this team that he's been in the past, but maybe we even get to see a different side of him evolve. So super excited to see how this team kind of can build around him as an offense. I'm going to be interested as well for Southern Miss with the defense. This is a defense that was one of the better defenses in the Sun Belt all year long. They won this team a lot of games, but Caden, there's a lot of notable departures. Guys who are, you know, seeing their eligibility run out. Guys who have now declared for the NFL draft like a Daylon Gill. Uh, there's a lot of pieces uh, that are going to need to be replaced. There's some good pieces coming back, but if there was some questions on this Southern Miss team, it would be perhaps maybe in that linebacker core that they're going to need to reload if they want to be at the upper echelons of that West Division. Yeah, it seems week after week, episode after episode, we're just talking about another great Sunbelt defense, and the Southern Miss is another unit. And I think for all of these units, and specifically Southern Miss, it's going to really be about how they can fill some of those spots. It can go two ways. You can have teams that have younger players, younger talent that comes in and plays, and maybe they're not as experienced and ready for the moment, and there might be a little bit of a drop-off, or they've seen the guys in front of them do well and have success, and they pick up right where it left off. So I think it's going to be a very important point of emphasis for the Southern Miss team. And I think regardless, you talk about that schedule that they have at the beginning of the season, no matter if the younger players inexperienced or experienced, this team's going to have their battle scars at the beginning of the year. You're going to see some of the best talent that they'll see all season at the beginning of the year. So I think regardless of who's in there, these teams and these players are going to get experience on the Southern Miss team very fast in the beginning of the season. Yeah, that non-conference schedule is going to be relentless. You look at hosting Tulane, a team that is kind of the group of five champion after they took down USC in the Cotton Bowl. They're also going to travel to Florida State in week two. And then later in the year, as Scott mentioned, you've got Mississippi State on the schedule. So that non-conference schedule, not easy. And we've already talked at length about how good the conference is as a whole. There's not many just easy wins week in and week out. But Kane, we'll move on. And as our listeners have come to expect on these in-review episodes, we've been spending some time at the end of each episode to name our end-of-the-year award recipients for each team, those players that really stood out as an overall MVP, that offensive and defensive side of the football, as well as a freshman 
who might have stood out that could play a big role moving forward. The only rule here, Caden, was that one player can only win one one award. So in this case, Frank Gore Jr. can't clean up all of the awards. But Caden, I'm going to go ahead and start first with our freshman MVP. He's a player that was thrust into action very early on in this year. Mixed reviews, but it's Zach Wilkie at the quarterback position. He finishes with eight touchdown passes, a 57% completion. He's now kind of embroiled in a quarterback battle. He lost his role midway through the year, but I liked what I saw out of Wilkie. He obviously needs some more seasoning, but he's a player that maybe moving forward could be that guy for Southern Miss, something they've been desperately searching for. Yeah, Zach Wilkie was definitely throwing the fire this year, and I think for a freshman, he reacted great to it, and I think his team was able to bounce off of that energy and do a great job better and exceed expectations in some of those, especially early matchups during the year. So I think depending on how this quarterback battle shakes up in the future, it's going to be interesting to see where his career goes and where the quarterback position goes for this team. But I think there's no question that he was the freshman of the year for this team. Staying on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive MVP, a guy that we talked about on this episode, Jason Brownlee ends the year with 55 catches, 891 yards and eight touchdown passes. And I think a great point that Scott brought up is that quarterback position was a revolving door this year. And the fact that he could stay consistent no matter who he was throwing the ball, getting the ball thrown to from had consistent rhythm all season and consistent compatibility with all the quarterbacks. And no matter who was in there, no matter how they were feeling scared or flustered, they knew they could rely on Jason Brownlee. So just a great year for him at the wide receiver position. I think undoubtedly the offensive MVP, when you look aside from a guy like a Frank Ward Jr., who you talked about before, is obviously the face of this franchise and the MVP of this team overall. But switching on the defensive side of the ball, Dalen Gill, linebacker, is going to be the guy we give the defensive MVP to. Listen, this is, like many teams in the conference, a tough award to give out to, just looking at the consistency and individual play of all these teams. But Dalen Gill had a great year, 87 tackles, 9 TFLs, 4.5 sacks, 3 pass breakups, and key key part of this defense was making turnovers, and he was a big part of that, causing two turnovers this year. I think when you look at him, they had a lot of specialists on this team. They had a lot of cover guys that were really good at that. They had a lot of defensive linemen that were great pass rushers. But I think when you look at Dalen Gill, he did it all for this team. And I think when you look at some of the games, he had 11-tackle game against Louisiana, 12-tackle game against Georgia State, and another 11-tackle game against Rice to end the season. Such a consistent key to this defense and such a key player for them. Yeah, I got to admit, it was tough. I know you and I went back and forth on who this defensive MVP was on this team because there were so many guys that were deserving. You had the Sunbelt leader in sacks. Uh, on this team, some great tackling players, uh, but Dalen Gill certainly deserving, and he will be a player that you can ex- expect to see playing on Sundays in in the years ahead. Caden, this one was probably the easiest pick of all for Southern Miss, and that's the team MVP. There was no other person, um, you know, that this could be. It's Frank Gore Jr., 1,382 yards this season, nine touchdowns. Kane, he ran for over six yards per carry. Those are elite level numbers. And oh, by the way, he also threw for four passing touchdowns. He truly was, as you've said multiple times in this episode, he was the face of the franchise. As Scott talked about, he might be a guy in the future that could have a statue built for him down in Hattiesburg. He's been that good. And Caden, he's a guy looking ahead to next year that if he's not in that conversation for preseason offensive player of the year, I'm going to have to check some of the writer's cards on this because he could be that elite of a player moving into next year. Yeah, it's an individual war, but I think the success of your team and how the team plays around you is a key part of that. And I think that might be why we see as far as regarding 
him being a player in this league that gets that notoriety and respect when we look at end of season awards, maybe that he wasn't getting that. So I think if the players on this team can elevate them, maybe get a hot start to the season and get some wins going, he might receive more of that well-earned notoriety from just the amazing career he's had at Southern Miss up until this point. Well, it's going to be an interesting offseason for Southern Miss. Certainly there's question marks, but I feel like there's more answers than questions. This is a Southern Miss team that could make some noise in the West as we look ahead to 2023. Well, that'll do it for another jam-packed episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Sun-Herald reporter Scott Watkins for joining us for today's conversation. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode in our Sunbelt in Review series highlighting the 2022 season for the Marshall Thundering Herd on Monday. Special guest Luke Creasy who covers Marshall for the Herald Dispatch, will stop by to provide an inside look into this year's team. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Frary and Smith Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what you all think about the show. Finally, Take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.